you know how well your product is, but that doesn't mean your market knows. And you just have to be radical enough and crazy enough to just figure out what's going to work. And sometimes that means going in person and showing up at, at, at events. You can't always be in boardrooms and expect your teams to execute for you. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. All right. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution show. I am your host, Alex Thuma, CEO, founder of SaaStock. Uh, and delighted to be joined on the podcast today by Isaiah Studevitz uh, and Shalik uh, Sibron, uh, who are the CEO and COO and co-founders of Evron. Uh, welcome, guys. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Doing amazing. Yeah, good, good, good. Good to see you today. I think you're, you're in Austin. I hear it's scorching hot. You're in the air conditioning. You don't want to be outside. So, uh, is that right? Yeah, I don't want to be outside. No time soon. I'm trying to go from my... From- AC to the building AC. That's it. Yes, I heard. I, I like. I heard Texas was going to be like just as hot as like the Sahara Desert this month for uh, like going into July. So does it? I mean, it may, like, how long does this last for? Uh, like, do you not like want to kind of come over to Europe and the cooler climates during the summertime, or uh, you just got to be there for, for for business and suffer, or, or not suffer if you're in AC? No, it's definitely suffering. I think I want to go over to Germany during the summertime next year. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, so I spoke to somebody from Germany actually on a, a podcast earlier, and she was complaining a little bit that it was uh, it was too cold and it was raining. But um, but it's pretty cool. Uh, it's fun. Europe is, uh, I think, definitely much cooler than Austin right now. And we were in Austin recently for the SaaStop USA, uh, and it was great to. This is where we we met. Um, so really kind of great to see you guys there. Um, and um, yeah, like uh, obviously it was a, a great conference. It was our first time there. Met lots of great people, uh, including yourselves. And I think at the the final kind of like party, uh, which was a place called Bangers. Yeah, so we were at the after party at Bangers, and uh, you know managed to like uh, have some time for a conversation. We sat down. Uh, I think there was there was uh, a, a lot of beer uh, on offer uh, at Bangers. Only, only beer. We couldn't get any spirits or anything like that. But it was a great day, uh, a great way to, to kind of wind down after, you know, networking for a couple of days with uh, a lot of great people at, uh, at SASOP USA. And something that, you, you know, really kind of enjoyed meeting you guys, uh, the energy you brought and your story. And, and, and that's why we've invited you onto the podcast to really kind of tell that because I think it's a, it's a great founding story and I also love what you're doing. Um, I guess kind of before we go into that and end the story, like tell us a little bit about yourselves, you know, as people – who you are, uh, you know, building up to the point of like, you know, we decided to start uh, this business. Isaiah, why don't we start uh, with you? Yeah, man. So it's been quite a journey. And uh, right before we get started, I just want to say thank you for for doing Sashdoc USA. It was it was uh, a wonderful experience, and I'm looking forward to the one next year. Um, but yeah, how I got started in all of this. Um, so my dad's a pastor, and uh, you know his his graphic designer left, and then you know I was there. He was like, "Look, I have a laptop. Can you figure this out?" And, you know, I always love challenges. So um, I pretty much learned graphic design. Um, I was in high school at this point when I learned graphic design. Started my own little side hustle while in high school, doing a couple of designs here for people while I was in school. Never thought I wanted to do business, wanted to be a neurosurgeon, actually. Uh, that was a dream for me uh, in high school was to be a, a pediatric neurosurgeon, but did my you know business thing on the side. Um, 
I got to college and, and was introduced to uh, a guy from uh, he was like um, head of strategy at, at Bank of America. And he started talking about like economics and how the business world works. And I was like, well, maybe this might be the, the calling for me. And so I made the transition to uh, focus on business and, and leave, you know, science. But, um, yeah, I, I felt like graphic design was like really limiting, like we're not really doing much for companies like on a holistic level. So where, where can we do more? Where can we make more of an impact for companies? And that's where um, I taught myself branding, marketing, advertising. Now we don't do branding. Uh, I threw that out. the list. I, I was like, yeah, that's not my thing. Uh, but marketing and advertising, I learned um, through courses, mentors. And then, you know, we started the company in 2020. And that's pretty much how I got here. Lovely. All right, great stuff. And Shalik, uh, how about yourself? Like, how did you, uh, I, I guess, what, what was your journey to then, you know, becoming an entrepreneur before we get into the, the story? Mine was a little bit different. Um, so me, out of, out of high school, um, I took the route of joining the military. Um, that's just where I seen myself at the time. You know, there was um, just some, some things I wanted to gain from the military, especially college, of course. Um, <laughs> so that was a big reason as to why I joined. Um, and so within the military, I met a lot of great people. So um, within there, it was, you know, there's there's a lot of people that do, you know, side side hustles, of course. And so there was a couple friends of mine that kind of got into uh, business or at least what we thought was business at the time. Um, and then from there, pretty much like they they knew how to make products. Right. But they didn't really know the operational side of things. They didn't know the business side of things. Um, me neither. Um, I didn't know either. But, you know, when I when I started, I'm like, OK, well, I'm going to start with a group of friends. Let's see what we can do. Um, we were able to do something very well within a short period of time. This was right, right before COVID. Um, so this was like early 2019. And then, you know, we had like very, very few, like two months where we did re really well um, compared to nothing. And then, you know, for me at the time, knowing nothing about business, I'm like, yeah, this is this is everything, you know, making, making two or $3,000 a month is now I'm, I'm considered rich now, you know? Um, and then COVID hit. And so we had to take, um, you know, time off because we obviously had duties that we had to do, um, in the military. And so, um, yeah, so that, that's kind of my, my journey to entrepreneurship. And then, um, from there that kind of leads into, into Evron. And, and, uh, and just on the military thing, like how long were you in the military and did, did you have to serve or like uh, what, what did that look like? Yeah, so um, I did four years. Um, I did four years fresh, fresh out of high school. Um, I think I went in maybe a month after I graduated. Um, it was kind of like this was for me, it was the, the, the best option because I didn't want to pay for college. I didn't want to be in college debt. So I was like, you know, um, the smart decision was to sacrifice four years of my time, learn some people, learn some some skills as I'm getting paid to go to um, college, which is paid for. So um, that was kind of my focus within the four years that I was in. Um, and eventually, as we get into the story, um, I never ended up graduating college thanks to Isaiah. So <laughs> um, it's a, hopefully it's a good debt that uh, uh, you, you owe him there. But uh, how did you guys then meet? Uh, yeah, so we, we knew each other from, uh, I think, junior year of high school. Man, we're, we're really young. Jeez. Um, but we met uh, at the, around the age of 17, 2017, uh, through a mutual friend. And then, you know, of course, Tom went we went our separate paths. He went to the military. I was um, kind of figuring life out in college. Um, and then we kind of crossed paths again um, 
a couple of months into Evron, uh, had a mutual friend who was, you know, with the company at the time. And then he kind of, you know, faded away because he wanted to focus more on, on college. And uh, he called me one day and it was like, look, I, somebody's interested to talk to you about Evron. And it was it was this guy. And I was like, ah, OK, uh, this should be fun. And so we reconnected from there um, and literally stayed on the phone for 72 hours straight, just talking about business and Evron and from there, I knew I knew he would be the the one to to run this thing with me all the way to you know hundreds of millions of dollars. Very cool. Seventy two hours straight. I hope you took some toilet breaks and that uh, that that conversation. But uh, yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and hopefully some other things. But look, uh, and and so everyone, like, give us just a, a quick one liner on what everyone does, and then um, why don't we go into the the, the family story? Because uh, again, like when you told it to me, I thought like this is like. A great founding story. This really kind of shows a lot of like entrepreneurial traits, and I think like the things that you guys did to kind of come together, build the company. You know, made me think like you two are going to be very successful. Um, but uh, but yeah, like what, what does everyone do? Like, um, uh, uh, please tell us. Yeah. So simply put, we're a revenue marketing agency. So we work with B two B SaaS marketing leaders. Um, so we're basically their their team that comes in to handle paid, social, creative, and rev ops. Competing with Chris Walker a little bit on that. Yeah, working yeah. alongside him. Working alongside. Okay, yeah. I like it. I like it. Good, good, good. So, and then tell us, like, so everyone. So, uh, maybe like, how old were you when you decided to like start the business? Um, why? You know, what is the founding story? Let, let, let's just kind of go into that. All right, here we go. Um, yeah, so I was twenty when we started the company. When I started the company, uh, September third, I incorporated the company. Um, was still in college. Was still debating on whether to drop out or not. And then on Christmas Day, I gave myself a Christmas present and dropped out officially. Um, but you know, I had some friends from college that came on like a month into the, the company, and uh, you know, we're we're young and dumb at that point. Don't know anything about business, so we're thinking we're about to be millionaires in two months. Um, and once that reality set in that that wasn't going to happen, um, the the guys that I was running with early on went back to focusing in on college and focusing on, you know, other career paths that they want to pursue. And so I, I um, you know, it was a, a tough time, you know, accepting the fact that, you know, business is going to take a while and having to be patient and just grinding it out. And then on April 1st, 2021, um, I had a reality check. I was like, uh, man, I don't know if I should have did this. Like our, our bank account was in the negatives. You know, everybody that was on the team had left and went to do their own thing. And our the only client we had at the time left. And I was like, man, I it's either go back to college or or just grind it out. And um, it was just something about me that was convicting. I was like, man, I can't I can't let this thing go. Like this dream and vision that I have of doing this business thing is it's too strong. And I, I can always go back to college. So I'd, I'd rather much run this thing to zero, um, then, you know, go back to college and, and give up on something that could really be lucrative for us. And then a month later, after deciding that I'm going to just endure the process, um, that's when that phone call came to me from one of the guys, one of our mutual friends and um, met up with Shalik. So I'll let Shalik take over from this part of the story and see it on his, on his side. Yeah. So this, this is where the fun things start, right? So um, when I got on the call with Isaiah, Isaiah gave me, um, you know, because Evron, at, at this point, it was a couple months in, so he, he gave a nice picture of what Evron was, a small breakdown. Um, and, you know, I was like, I, I was interested. I'm like, okay, like, we can we can really do something with this. Um, and then, you know, a couple a couple hours later, uh, he, he he had a presentation. It was like a, what would you consider, like a, like an onboarding? It was like, yeah, it was, it was like an onboarding. So um, it was like an onboarding presentation, and it was – he read like the first two lines and I'm like, yeah, like this is, 
this 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 has to go. Um, so Isaiah Isaiah he had the the vision. He had um, he had pretty much everything that he needed, other than the people around him to kind of get him to to, to that next step. Um, and so from that point, that's when those seventy two hours. That's when we clocked in. We're like, okay, like we're gonna scrap everything you have that's Evron branded, that is Evron, we're going to throw it away, we're going to start from scratch, and we're going to actually build an actual company here, not just in theory, but something that actually works. And I think the first the first step was, what, pricing? Like, we, and, and, you know, me, like, be, me me having that that small two months of, of experience doing business um, with e-commerce, I kind of had a good understanding of, okay, like, there's pricing that, you know, that, that you that you want to charge, and then there's pricing that, that your customers would, would actually pay. So, he uh at that point we we fixed pricing we we fixed branding we fixed we we fixed everything um we changed pretty much everything except the name of the company and the logo um and then from there i found out i was getting deployed to kosovo so we worked on the company for about two weeks and i found out i was getting deployed uh, a couple weeks after that and then um that was april and what month was that that I, i got shipped out in june so we were working on the company in May, and then I got shipped out uh, the first week of June, and I was sent to Germany. And you know the the time difference was it was it was hell for us. You know it, it was hell. We're like you know like there's no way I can go work you know a twelve hour shift for the military and then you know come come do school work. And at that point, I'm still in school. I'm in school for computer science, which as everybody knows, that's a pretty complicated degree. So um, I was like, there's no way I could do military school and do Evron. So I called Isaiah. Um, we had a, a long talk and I told him, I said, hey, like, I'm going to have to drop out of school because there, there's no way I could do both. Um, so uh, I dropped out of school. And then from there, like, again, we just started grinding. We, it was a, a six hour time difference. Um, there was times that we was on, on meetings with, with clients that, you know, at my time was maybe, you know, 2 a.m. His time could be 5 p.m. And, you know, the client's time could be, you know, 8 a.m. Right. So through that time, we grinded out. We was getting clients. We, we, got, we went from candle companies to pizzerias to insurance to uh, we did it all. Right. And then within that first year, we learned so much. We're like, OK, we learned so much about our offering um, and like what do we what do customers want and then what do customers need? Right. So at that point, the companies that we were working with, they wanted social media, right? They were like, we need social media. We need, and then, so they're looking for impressions. They're looking for clicks. They're looking for website traffic. They're looking for these things, these, um, these things that, that we consider now, a lot of them that they were looking for are vanity metrics, right? They're like, they're metrics that don't really convert to revenue. Now at the time it took us time to actually realize that, right? Um, where, as we're going through it, we're like, okay, like we're doing good. We're getting likes on pictures, you know? And for us, that was everything. Um, we had small budgets. We were working with budgets of, you know, less than $500 a month, sometimes less than a hundred dollars, you know, a week, you know? And, um, so at that point we're like, okay, like we, we then we, we hit a curve ourselves. Like we, we smacked the wall when, um, somebody told us, they were like, Hey, like he, he, he bought us in. It was one of our clients. He's like, yeah, like whatever you guys are doing, it's not working. Like he was like, it's, it's just not working. He said, I would rather go get a billboard than pay you guys for next month. And then, so for us, like it, it actually hit us. We're like, well, why, you know, like, like what was the reason for that? And so we, we actually sat down, it was a, a constructive conversation and we're like, he's like, yeah, like you guys are getting us um, like likes and views and all this other stuff, but um, there's nothing that is pointing toward revenue. Right. And so 
for us, we're like, okay, like, wow. You know, and then so we we actually thought about it. We're like, well, companies love what we what we love as a company, which is revenue, right? And then so from there, like, we we scrapped everything again, right? We're like, whatever we did last year, like, we're, now we have to scrap it again and we have to try something totally different. Um, and so we built a process that, that you know, correlates strictly to revenue. We're like, okay, like, everything we do has to be tied to revenue, even if it is considered a vanity metric. Why is its vanity metric important? Um, and, and how can we use that vanity metric to make it important so we can show that, hey, like this this shows that you will make revenue three, like three months from now, six months from now, or sometimes even 12, like 12 months out. And then from there, like we went searching for companies that actually wanted to focus on revenue because we realized at the time, not all mom and pop shops want to be billion dollar companies, right? Um, everybody doesn't have the same mindset as an entrepreneur that, hey, like this thing can be a, a trillion dollar company, right? Nobody, not everybody believes we can be the next Apple. So we had to go find those founders, those entrepreneurs that wanted to be the next Apple. And, and we kind of wanted to help them along their, their, their journey based on our process that we kind of just, just made. And then, so from there, I'm going to let Isaiah take it from there so he can break it down exactly what our process is. I, I would love to hear. Yeah. So like how we kind of got to that process was, uh, again, like we told you, Alex, like we, we accidentally fell into B2B SaaS. Um, like we were going out after that moment, we kind of went searching for clients. And, and at that time I was in Pennsylvania in the local area. Um, and we were sending out emails going door to door. We happened to get an email back from one company. It was a property management company at the time that we understood. Um, talked to their chief growth officer, talked to their VP of biz dev and come to realize he was like, look, I need you to all this proposal and what you're offering is great, but I need you to rebrand it. We are a series B prop tech company. I was like, I don't know what none of that means. He was like, yeah, $26 million series B round. Um, just rebranded. I was like, okay. Um, so we had to figure out and learn SaaS really quickly as far as a, cause it's very different from, you know, SMB and, you know, mom and pop shops. It's very different, much faster environment, um, growth at all costs. Uh, and so we had to learn that quickly. And over that time, we drove over a million in pipeline for them. And so we were like, well, this is working. This is our first time having an advertising budget. This is our first time having a, a marketing lead to be our point of contact instead of the owner who's doing a million different things. Um, so it was like, maybe this is the space for us. And so we took that learning and applied it to more B2B SaaS companies. And what we found out when we went back and codified our, um, our process, it was what we now referred to as revenue engineering. And with the, like our revenue engineering process, it's it's very simple. It's, can we make lightning strike twice in the same spot for the same company? Because a lot of marketers are able to be very seasonal. Like we can do good for three months and then we die off, but how can we build a program that's actually scalable? So we'll, we'll come in, do the plumbing with the RevOps, we'll come in um, around phase three and say activation, we need to drop X amount of pipeline, then we need to sustain it over three months. And then how do we actually implement it with the go-to-market team? And then we scale it. So we have like a proven process at this point that we help to scale companies. But now, now we're in a, a really good spot and um, we're just loving the process now. And in, ter in terms of like getting those first customers and that prop tech customer, <clears throat> and so means that you, you actually went like door to door, like knocking door to door to, was, was it to get to, to that prop tech customer? Um, so it, it wasn't an email, it wasn't a LinkedIn sort of message. It's like turning up on their door, what, speaking to a receptionist and then trying to get to the VP of marketing, something like that. I believe it was like, because me and Isaiah had, because at, at this point I'm still, I'm still in Kosovo. So I'm still, because I was deployed for, you know, our entire like first year together. 
And then um, we were we were doing like cold calling on Facebook and you know emailing and Instagram. And um, at that point, we, we weren't heavy on LinkedIn, but we were you know sending people like messages on LinkedIn as well. And, like we were seeing no results. Like we were not seeing anything. So me and Isaiah, we were on a call, and I was like, you know what? Um, this messaging stuff does not work. Uh, <laughs> like cold messaging just, just doesn't work. And so uh, me and Isaiah had a heart to heart, and we're like, uh, yeah. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna have to go door to door. Like you're gonna have to go look up these companies, find out where they where they live, and go go knock on the door because it's it's easier for um it's it's easier for somebody to 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 text you back the word no than it is for them to actually say it to your face. So we wanted people to actually feel it, feel the pain, and and look in our eyes and tell us no. And so that's when Isaiah started going door to door, and he he got a lot of no's, then a lot more no's than we expected. Um, and then you know um, one of those Series B companies were just one of the companies that actually said yes and gave us an an opportunity. So I, I, want, I wonder if uh, certainly those that are listening to the podcast will will now try this and say like obviously that this is sort of like you know interesting an interesting learning here that it's harder to say no to your face, which is true. Uh, and so people will start instead of doing outbound on LinkedIn or email, like start rocking up at uh, people's offices. Uh, it'd be difficult, I think, more difficult in Europe because everything is like scattered over. But uh, perhaps in the US and where you've got these kind of clusters of tech, um, yeah, it certainly could be interesting. Uh, uh, but look, I mean, uh, amazing that you did that. So it's not easy to do outbound, right? And not easy. I mean, I started my career actually i can't remember if we, we, we said this but probably after a few beers i forgot everything anyway but um uh, i started as uh, you know in sales uh, doing cold calling calling 100 people a day to get to one yes so 99 no's and you kind of i don't know you come a little bit numb to the no's so you're like okay this person doesn't want to speak to me this one doesn't want to and you're just hunting for the yes certainly if you've got the right mentality so i guess like i mean how was it for you personally like Driving somewhere, you, you know, getting there, like getting a no initially, did it like hurt a little bit or were you just like, okay, on to the next one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, it, it hurt a lot. The first day I went out uh, after like five awkward conversations and like six no's, I called Sleek and I'm like, I'm done. I'm never doing this again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yo, get back out there. And as you do it, it just becomes easy. And I, it, we, we still, um, to be honest with you, we still do door to door to this day. Like we'll, we'll be in Austin, we'll be sometimes in Houston and we'll, if you, if you respond to our email and we don't hear back from you from like a week, expect us at your front door. So like we, we still do this, some of the tactics that we did early on. Um, and, and for, for founders, like sometimes you just have to be, you just have to be humble and, and know that because you're, you, you know how well your product is, but that doesn't mean your market knows. And you just have to be radical enough and crazy enough to just, figure out what's going to work. And sometimes that means going in person and showing up at, at, at events. You can't always be in boardrooms and expect your, you know, your teams to execute for you. So there has to be a sense of um, like, there has to be a sense of being delusional, honestly, like as a founder, you have to have that, that line where it's like, okay, like you're people consider you delusional. Cause if you look at me and Isaiah, like the way, the way that we got here from even from knocking on doors, um, it's kind of a mindset that you have to have, like, okay, like this person said no, but if this person said no, that's one less person that I have to talk to because the next person is going to say yes. Right. And so every door that you knock on, every no you get, the next person is going to say yes. Like they just have to, you know, and if you keep that same mindset, eventually, you know, that, that positive mindset does bring you customers, right? It does bring you positive 
results. And which is why we 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 stick to it to, like till this day. We could be a billion dollar company. I still think we would still go door to door ever so often, and we would because it builds company culture um, as well. Like when people see us go out, like hey, like these guys are actually going to go out and talk to these people. Like wow, like there's there's a company that got hundred million in in funding, and they're just going to go knock on their front door and say, hey, like you guys need us, you know. So. And I mean, I'm sure you guys probably know it, but if you don't know it, like a lot of the things that you've done to get the business to where it is, you know, are like textbook, like this is what an entrepreneur needs to be doing to kind of build the business, right? And so you have the mindset, you're kind of like speaking to customers, finding out like what do they need and, um, you know, kind of iterating on that to kind of like, you know, get to the, the product and then develop the process that you've got, which you've, you know, now codified. Um, like, I don't know, I mean, there's so much that you've done. It's just like, Hey, like entrepreneurs listening, if you're if you're at that early stage and you haven't started your business already, right? Like, here's uh, an inspiration of things that you, you you could and should like you know uh, do to kind of get your business to to, to where it needs to be. So, my, my hats are off to uh, uh, to you for, for for doing that. And obviously, it, like it, it being extremely difficult with usually being in Kosovo doing a twelve hour uh, working day, I guess you, you know with with the military. And then your side hustle, or which is now your full-time thing, working on that and having the energy to do that, right? Again, it's what like an entrepreneur needs to do. And so many times, uh, and I'm sure you've heard it as well, I speak to people that have started businesses and they're kind of like the side hustle, but they say, I just don't have time like, to work on it. You know, I don't have time, right? And it's, I don't want to be hard, but you know, sometimes it feels like that's a bit of an excuse because if you really wanted to do it, you make the time. And I think I, before we were recording, as I, you said that you were up until 3 a.m. like working on, you know, on a customer and a client, right? How many people are prepared to do that? I think specific entrepreneurs, the ones that will be successful are prepared to do that. And the ones that don't have the time, you know, you know and I did say to you also, I, I never work past midnight. Uh, but, um, but still in the early days, you know, I was putting in a full day, you know, kind of shift. And uh, also I think like many people like, you know, working a full day and then doing this kind of, you know, on the weekends, in the evenings, etc., until midnight. And that's the reason that I had to kind of work late a lot of the times. But uh, yeah, you got you guys kind of did all the things that you needed to do, did them right, um, uh, whether you knew that or not. And hopefully, you, you, you did. Uh, and to kind of get those first customers and identify who your ICP is, what your product is, uh, the value that you drive, you, you know, and then kind of build the business uh, from there. So again, like you, you know, just kind of loved hearing that when we're having the beers in uh, uh, sunny Texas. And, um, you, you know, again, uh, I, I think it's a great story to so appreciate you sharing that. And so where is, like, Evron now? Like, any data you can share, but, like, um, like in terms of, like, customers that you have, pipeline that you've built for them, like, anything that you can kind of share in terms of where you're at now versus, obviously, where you were, you, you know, in, in 2020, 21. Uh, and then let's kind of maybe go into a little bit about, obviously, like, what you do. Uh, and what we can learn, maybe those that are listening, like, uh, you, you know, for the audience, some things that you do that builds pipeline, right, that uh, maybe some others can, you know, if you give a few secrets away or, or, or whatever, right? but uh, uh, that, that would be quite cool. For us, we're, we're the ones that come in, like we're the, the SWAT team that comes in to build the inbound channel for the companies we work with. They're usually um, somewhere between half a million and a million in AR. They're... Um, you know, approaching or have hit product market fit and their outbound team. Like we, we, we hear it time and time again, either the founders tired of doing sales or the SDRs don't have enough work or they're out work from doing all this discovery and prospecting it. They need a new channel or a new um, 
go to market motion that's going to, you know, improve their unit economics and, you know, bring them the type of customers that they want. And so, um, yeah, like usually we're, our, our, our data for us for what we do is usually doing half a million to over, you know, doing several million in pipeline opportunities for them, for these customers, because they usually don't have that much consistently going over, you know, over time um, at that time, uh, building that much pipeline. So for us, it's, it's pretty simple, but they have to be willing to commit to it. And that's where that's something that we've had to learn um, is that we have to communicate expectations up front with our clients early on is that marketing isn't magic. And you can't expect us to come in and in two weeks, drive a million in pipeline. It's there are certain things that you were doing before that wasn't working. And there are certain things that you haven't done that now, you know, your market and ICP has to get accustomed, accustomed to you. Um, like they, they need to understand the buyer journey. And that's some of the things that we try to work on in the, in the early phases is making sure they understand the buyer's journey. Like they have to go from being problem unaware to actual being the solution aware. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where we are now is, is we're really trying to position ourselves as like, Hey, we're the, yeah, we're revenue marketers, um, that not only handles the paid social and, and, you know, uh, paid search, but we're, we're the, we're the data people as well. We do the rev ops and we do the creative. So we're trying to be a marketing leader's entire, um, you know, team that they need around them. Uh, cause usually around that million dollar mark, it's usually one marketing person doing everything. They're handling the campaign management, doing the marketing ops, they're doing, um, you know, the hiring and all the other stuff and the creative. And so they, they're burnt out. And so we come in and try to be that team for them, um, early on so that they can scale and grow their company. Awesome. Awesome. And well, what are like some of the things that you are doing? Uh, I obviously don't need to kind of disclose clients, but right now that you're seeing is kind of working, you, you know, maybe across whether it's like social, um, you, you know, uh, SEM or, or, or whatever, you, you know, on, on the revenue upside of things. Uh, maybe a few like uh, specific examples of like, hey, like we did this and, you know, we saw, uh, we, we saw the you know the needle move like drastically for, for, for this customer right is there are there anything um, that you can share around that I would say so for us um, let's we can speak recent right let's say uh, within I'll say to say for this year right um, maybe around like February March there's been um, for us we've noticed a good increase um, in uh, good good quality leads coming from uh, Bing so uh, Running, running ads on Bing and um, Reddit as well, because um, we've we've seen recommendations on Reddit, um, and then just just not not too recent, we we did actually have a client that could actually um, be useful. You know, where Reddit could be useful uh, with they they have specific groups that you can search up. Um, so I would recommend if there are marketers or founders listening to definitely. Um, Look at your company and go look on Reddit and see which um, which communities and which which groups closely relate to your company. Um, and then maybe try running some some ads. I wouldn't you know go crazy with budget and just run you know like ten thousand a month on there unless you obviously can. But um, just start off small, kind of see what kind of engagement you get. Don't look for um, don't look for numbers. Really, just look for quality. Um, look at the quality of traffic that you're getting. If it's the quality that you're looking for, then obviously you can up budget after that. So, um, yeah, I would say Bing and Reddit are, are, are definitely it. If I could piggyback off that, I would say um, also like doing the early work. Like when we come in, we we help with segmentation. Like we try and get them at that point to um, to segment their audience and not go after three different industries or verticals. But which one? 
Um, like it, if they pass three, these three criteria for us, it's like, this is probably the segment that we want to go after. And like, once we cut off the fat from those other segments, like we continuously see time and time again, a, a huge improvement in pipeline and the number of opportunities and the conversion rate from like demo to opportunity. Um, but whoever has the longest LTV, the smallest CAC and the shortest sales cycle, that's the vertical we're probably going to target the most and go after. And so um, we've seen it time and time again where we'll, we'll um, cut off the fat from the other ones and then you go on paid social and target them that way and cater the messaging to them because it's really difficult, especially at a company doing about a million ARR. Um, you have limited resources to try to go after three different verticals and segments. Like that's a lot of resources. It takes a lot of people, a lot of time, and you have to really segment and niche down on who you're going after initially. And then you can obviously scale out, but get that initial um, ICP validated and, and hammered out. To add to add to that, mainly companies doing around 10, 10 million or, or close to that. Um, usually their their pipeline gets really clogged up, right? Um, and so we're we're able to go in, right? And a, a lot of companies need to do this before they think like scale, scale, scale. But um, try try optimizing first, right? So try optimizing what you have. Um, go go through your pipeline. You, you know what I'm saying? See, look for where the friction is, right? That that that's one of the key things that we do is look where the friction is. And a lot of times the friction is not always where you think it is. Um, a lot of people measure, you know, from awareness to conversion, how long is it taking? Um, a lot of people don't measure in between. So how long are people taking to go from awareness to, to consideration, from consideration to conversion? Try measuring those differently. I mean, I'm sorry, not differently, but measure those individually and see, okay, well, how much does it cost to get somebody from awareness to consideration? And if that number's too high, try to lower that number. You know, and, and then same thing for the rest of your funnel. Try to lower those those numbers and optimize those those numbers before you try to just all out scale. Because if you if you don't in the long term, um, it could it could really look pretty pretty bad, and you you'll see yourself wasting a lot of money. I'm going to move into the uh, thanks for sharing that the quick fire round now. The, uh, Ten minutes to record, record my next podcast, uh, um, but. Um, yeah, I guess uh, for both of you, maybe we'll start with uh, uh, Isaiah. What one thing has moved the needle the most for you in your career? Uh, I have to say our, our advisors, our mentors and advisors that we have. Um, we got uh, Nick Tipman, Sam Keenly. We could throw Chris Walker up there um, and a few others that have been very critical and crucial. Like they've cut our learning our learning um, timeline down like several years just because they've all done like massively successful in their SaaS careers. Um, so I would say, yeah, advisors and, and mentors have been the, the have moved the needle tremendously for us. Yeah, I mean, I would really just say what Isaiah said, but I guess to add to that, I would say the the humility part of it. Um, so us not not being afraid to ask for help, saying, hey, like even though we're a marketing agency, there are marketing there are marketing leaders that that may know um, the the answer to any question that that we may have, you know. Um, so we're we're not scared to go out there and ask, like, hey, like we need help. Um, like we, we want feedback. Um, and so, yeah, we just go out there and we just act for it. What's the best advice you've ever received, Isaiah? Uh, to be honest with you, career-wise, it would have to come from Nick Tittman, uh, and, and it really framed it for how, where we are as a company now and how we like approach our services. But there's only really four ways to grow ARR. You create more opportunities for your sales team. You cut down how long it takes to sell them. You win them at a better rate or you increase your ACV. That's really it. And we've learned to that everything we do, all of our deliverables, have to engage one of those metrics and improve upon them. So that's, I would say, probably the best advice we've gotten. 
Yeah, it's, it's good advice. Shalik, uh, what's the biggest failure you've made and lesson learned? It doesn't have to be you personally. It could be the business or, or you personally. It's up to you. The biggest, uh, the biggest lesson learned was, honestly, it was that one client that had to sit down and, and say he wasn't getting any results. Um, so that, and again, I don't consider that a failure. That was actually what turned us into um, the, the, the company that we are today. So I will always give thanks to him. Um, so yeah, I would say that right there, that, that allowed us to focus on revenue other than other metrics that don't really correlate to revenue. Awesome. Uh, Isaiah, what's the hardest thing about marketing in 2023? Being consistent, um, and being patient. Those two things, like if you can, if you can master your, your discipline with consistency and patience, and I say consistency for creating like, you know, content and out there for your ICP to consume, like the value, you need to be value led. And then the patience is, Again, marketing is not magic. It's going to take maybe a quarter or two for you to really start to see the real, you know, drive that you want to see from marketing. Um, but if, if you can match those two things, like those are the two biggest challenges for pretty much any marketing leader I could see in, uh, in 2023. Uh, and for both of you, who, you can't mention your advisors or mentors here. Um, who are you following in marketing uh, and why? Ooh, uh, I would say I'm following... Um, I'm following Mark Roberts right now, to be honest, uh, to, to really understand, go to market um, and really master that, like hit all his content, watching all his seminars at Harvard, watching his stuff on Saster, um, reading their blogs. It would, it would have to be Mark Roberts right now. Good, good answer. Chalik? Anyway. Uh, yeah. So for me, it is other than like our, our advisors. I mean, if, if I can say in the most humble way possible, um, I would say ourselves as well. Um, cause us, us making content helps us learn more than what we, than what we think. So I would say that myself. And then, um, just to add to that, I do want to say, um, not really what helps with, with marketing is really viewing not other marketers, but other, um, customers, right? So customers of our clients, um, sometimes I, I like to follow them so we can really see not necessarily what they're saying, but like kind of how they think about things. Uh, sometimes I like to view through profiles, see like what they comment, you know, just so we kind of get a deep dive of how our how our clients, customers are actually thinking. Awesome, awesome. Uh, well, guys, final final question as we, we come to the end of the show. Like, if people want to reach out to you uh, online, they listen to the podcast and uh, they want to provide some feedback, or uh, they want to find out how much your services cost and want to work with everyone because you're, you're you're two amazing guys uh, and you're going to build them a load of pipeline. Uh, yeah, where can they where can they find you? Yeah, yeah, find us on LinkedIn. Um, you can reach out to myself or Shalik or just go to our website, evron.io and, and book a demo if you want. Uh, or you can reach out to directly on LinkedIn. We're, I promise we don't bite. We're friendly um, and we're willing to answer any questions you have. Yeah, just go ahead. And actually, you know what? I, I don't think, Isaiah, I don't think we, we've ever done this, but I, I would say if, if we are able to, if, if anybody does come to us and actually wants to be a client, we can give a discount if you say that, that you found us on the Stock podcast. There we go. Well, they don't know your pricing, so you just put, uh, uh, make the discount into it. But no, it's a, it, it, it's a great offer. Um, look, guys, I, I really, uh, uh, I, I guess, kind of honored to have you on the podcast, like to, to have met you at, at SaaS.USA. You you're born entrepreneurs. Um, great story. You know, I wish everyone all the success, although you probably don't need it because uh, with you two at the helm, uh, it, it's bound to be a, a, a great success. So, I'll be following, uh, we'll see you at sas.usa as well uh, next year when we're back in Austin. Um, and yeah, look, thanks so much for coming, you know, sharing your story uh, on the SAS Revolution Show. We'll see you in Dublin soon. 
Oh, exactly. In Dublin first. Uh, nice one. All right. Cheers, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.